0: Well hey there, I'm Lowell McWhite, and this is Readings and Ridiculosities. Today's reading is Deep Eddy, which is a story you can find in my collection, The Messes We Make of Our Lives. So, uh, Deep Eddy. In the morning it was raining, and we ended up stuck behind a caravan of senior citizens, all in big recreational vehicles, all from Washington State, all heading south in the rain. I whipped on down the road, sliding in and out between the campers, and every time I passed someone, I could feel Amanda tense up beside me on the seat. She was afraid of the big mining trucks that were headed north. Every time I pulled out the pass, she tapped the floor of the pickup with her right foot searching for a brake pedal. I did my best to ignore her and drive, and so I drove and I drove and I counted the RVs, 64 of them in all, I think, and I knew they must all be together because of the rigged red decals that each vehicle had on its rear. I drove on south, the windshield wipers thudded, Amanda tapped the floor, neither of us said anything. Once we got past Whitehorse, the rain stopped and traffic seemed to let up, and Amanda was able to relax a little and fall asleep. So tell me, how can you really tell when someone's desperate? I mean I didn't see anything then, I didn't notice anything, and if I had noticed something would I have cared? Amanda woke up some time later when I pulled off the road, a small cloud of white dust blowing up and around us. When it cleared, I could make out an overflowing red litter barrel and a tarnished length of guard rail and, beyond that, a valley. A range of mountains rose on the other side of the valley, shaded by clouds. A motorhome and a mining truck went by, heading west, north, blowing in more dust. Everything, Everything seemed much drier around here, though there were still some muddy puddles in the gravel. Amanda frowned still half-asleep. She asked, are we there yet? Those are the Cassiers over there I think pointing at the mountains and That's I guess the Rancheria River Amanda looked away at the mountains. She asked how much further to Fort St. John? We would stayed at a motel in Fort St. John on the way up there were hot showers clean sheets firm mattresses cable TV wireless cell phone reception air conditioning I said, I don't know, maybe nine hundred miles. We might make it by tomorrow if we push it. Amanda rested her head against the window of the truck. The weak sunlight cast a shadow across her face. She said, Then let's push it. I waited a moment. I asked, You're not getting out? No, Amanda sounded serious. No oh well. I was tired of her complaining, but uh, I tried not to let it show. To hell with her, you know. I shrugged and opened the truck door. I collected five bottles, three of the bats, and two cokes, and a wad of paper from under the seat, and I carried it all over to the trash barrel and jammed it all in. The turnout was at a bend in the road at the top of a bluff. Below, beyond the guardrail and down the steep bluff, the Rancheria River tris- twisted through a wide, marshy valley and disappeared off to the northwest. Cloud shadows scudded over the valley. The Cassiars were light gray. They were cold-looking. Between the turnout and the mountains, a single cloud was dropping rain, dark gray streaks that had settled into the haze. A car with headlight on went by, blowing dust heading northwest to Whitehorse. I walked back to the truck and I leaned in. I said, I have to pee. Amanda sighed. She didn't even open her eyes. She said, that's fine. The slope of the bluff was steep and somewhat slippery. It was damp but not muddy. It was covered with hard pale gravels that rolled out from under my feet. I rested against a burned out stump and I caught my breath before sliding the rest of the way down the slope. At the bottom there was a fire ring made of gathered wild stones. Ashes, some beer bottles, and a half-burned throwaway diaper were in the ring. Logs had been rolled up close for seats. A path led down to the river. Up on the bluff a big truck of some sort headed south on the highway and dust swirled in a cloud and drifted down the slope. In the silence that followed the truck I heard the river. I buttoned my jeans and followed the path scrambling over a dead fall and splashing across a little creek coming in from the north. The creek disappeared into a thicket but further ahead I caught a glimpse of open water. I climbed over another dead fall, ducked under some alders, and came out on the banks of the river. The rancheria came out of the southeast headed toward the bluff and then turned suddenly to the west. It flowed past my feet and turned on to the south, dropped into a riffle, then disappeared behind some brush. At the base of the bluff, where it turned, there was a log jam and an eddy. The creek seemed to come in there. The water below was shallow and clear with a sandy bottom. Two smallish grayling cruised the base of the pool. I thought, what pretty water. Look at those wild fish. Those grayling have never seen a fly. I'm the first man to see them. I discovered this spot. This fish are mine. When I got back to the truck, Amanda was counting the RVs. She had my clipboard and was making a mark every time one passed. Well, good for her. I got a beer out of the cooler and I walked around to the driver's side and got in. Amanda said, you must have had to go pretty bad. Yeah, I said, I was looking at the river. I twisted the top off the bottle and I took a long drink. My jeans were wet from the knee down and there was a scratch on my face, but I didn't care. I said, I saw this huge grayling, I want to see if I can catch it. Amanda said, those old people from Seattle just passed us. She tilted the clipboard so I could see it. There were a whole bunch of marks. She said, most of them passed us, maybe all of them passed us. They blew dust on me. I said, we'll pass them again. I said, they drive slow. Yeah, Amanda said, and they'll slow us down. Well, listen, I said, I'll go catch that fish and let him get ahead of us. All right, I tried smiling at Amanda, but she just stared at me. Look at this, Amanda said. Again, she held up the clipboard with all the marks and slashes on it. And, okay, there were a lot of RVs on the road. I could see that. So Amanda could count. I could see that. I said, I'll just be a minute. Come on, Amanda said. You've caught enough fish already, okay? I looked away and began digging through the pile of maps on the seat between us. Amanda asked, okay? I said, no. I found our battered copy of the Yukon guidebook and I started thumbing through it. I looked up. I said, no, really. Hun, uh, this grayling is enormous. At First I saw two little ones, then I saw the big one. He's never seen a fly before. Nobody's seen him before. It's like a whole new world down there. Sure, Amanda said, right off the road. Yeah, I said. I thought of the fire ring and the diaper. Right. There were people here somewhere. People came here, passed by here, stopped here, littered here. But there wasn't anyone here now except me. So this was my spot. It was mine. I discovered it. I was an explorer. I said, isn't that great? Amanda turned away from me and looked out the window. Two more clouds were dumping rain somewhere near the mountains. I found our place in the guidebook, and I started to read out loud. DC 663.4. Hey, I was wrong. We're only about 600 miles from Fort St. John, 663 from Dawson Creek. Amanda still didn't look at me. She said, well, let's get going. Yeah. No, wait, I said. I began reading again. DC-667. Shit. Amanda said, four more miles already? I kept reading. DC-667. Litter Barrel with view of the Rancheria River to south. That's where we are. Amanda said, we have GPS. We already know where we are, so let's go, okay? No, I said, wait, the Rancheria River fared to good fishing for bull trout and grayling. Well, I guess the grayling are here at least, I looked up. You should see this grayling, it was huge. Amanda said, there's no such thing as a huge grayling. I said, it's bigger than any we saw in Alaska, it's over 18 inches easy. Amanda shifted her seat, turned to face me. She reached for my beer and took a sip and made a face. It was warm, we were out of ice. John, she said slowly, she's choosing her words carefully, I'm really tired. I'm even tired of looking at trees, you know. Everything looks the same. We've driven something like 8,000 miles in the last... Ah, no, I said. Come on, really, it's more like about 6,000. Okay, so it's 6 fucking thousand. I don't really care. I just want to get to wherever it is we're going today, and I want that to be just a little closer to home than we are now. I mean, I guess, I don't know. She sighed, very dramatic. She said, fuck. I looked over at her and tried smiling again. I guess I was a phony because I didn't care. I just smiled. I just showed my teeth. Phony. I even took her hand and squeezed it. I said, this is what I want to do. It'll just be a few minutes. This fish has never seen a fly before. Amanda pulled her hand away. You don't even keep the damn things. I said, yeah, catch and release all the way. I got out of the truck, shut the door, and leaned in the window. You want to get out and watch? No, she said. You sure? Yes, I'm damn well sure. I took a step back. So she was pissed. So what? I had a right to do what I wanted to do too. I stepped around to the back of the truck and looked at her through the layers of glass and I thought of the trip out. Prairies, plains, grasses, rivers, badlands, rivers, mountains, rivers, trees rivers, trees, bridges, trucks, mountains, glaciers more trees, more rivers, good roads, bad roads, old people in RVs ten days from Austin to Anchorage, two weeks in Alaska and now we were still at least a week away from home she was tired of course she was tired and she was pissed off too but being tired and pissed off wasn't to get us home anytime sooner I had a right to do what I wanted to do and right now I wanted to go fishing I went around to the back of the truck and I went to the window and I said we'll get there fine you know Amanda said it would have been a whole lot easier if you just left me back in Whitehorse then I could have caught a flight home and you could dick around in the woods and play the fucking Lewis and Clark all you wanted I said "Oh, come on but I thought to hell with her so she was tired and pissed so what I said it'll just be a few minutes then I'll come back and we'll drive like hell we'll pass the old people we'll make it fine Amanda said, I don't think so. I didn't say anything else. There wasn't anything to say, really? I walked around to the back of the truck again. I looked back at her and saw her take another sip of warm beer, and I saw her twist the rearview mirror around so she could watch me. After that I ignored her. I dug around in my fishing gear, and I pulled out a rod, a fly box, some gadgets. When I looked up again, I saw Amanda pour the rest of the beer out the window. When I got to the place, the river came straight at me and then turned, the main current curving toward the south and back into the east. I was a little off to the side of the eddy, where small currents circled around and around out of the main river, burbling up against the bank along the little sandbar of the creek and deposited under the log jam and back out into the main current of the river. It was pretty water, clear and cold, and reflected the sky, the trees, me. The water seemed pretty deep. I tried looking down through the reflective surface, and even with polarized glasses, I could only see dark greenish shadows. This is probably the place where the fish in this section of the river spent their winters, you know, finning around under the ice and snow, holding in the dark, waiting for spring. And then I saw the big grayling float up out of the green. I watched it get bigger and bigger, watched it suck down a bug, a grayish tan caddisfly of some sort. The fish made a little slurping noise and settled back a foot or so in the water. Two other smaller grayling appeared and hovered off to the left. They could all stay in the eddy as long as they wanted and the river would always swirl food right up to them. And I thought, this is why I came on the trip in the first place, to see this, the river, the mountains, the everything. I thought, This is the way life is supposed to be, always. This place, this water, these fish. Everything new. Yeah, I stood there watching those fish for a long time. Then I took a breath. I stood holding my fly rod with a little fly caught on atoms, bushy and gray, tied at the end of the leader. I stepped to the side to put more of the bush between me and the fish. There wasn't much room to cast, but I didn't need to cast very far. I worked out a little line and rolled a cast into the eddy. The leader straightened out just enough. For the fly dropped softly onto the water. It's nice, I thought. Grayling, look up. They like to eat insects off the surface. It's good. The atoms sort of looked like a caddis. It's very good. I held my breath. And then it was very easy. The eddy-bot brought the fly to the big grayling who spotted it, rose, finned back into water a second, looked at it, and sucked it down. I set the hook. The shocked grayling jumped, bored out to the main river, quickly jumped twice more, and then again, and then tried to go deep. I was using a heavy leader, though, and I pressured the fish, keeping him near the surface of the eddy. He jumped once more. It was easy. I knelt over the panicked fish and picked it up. It was slick and iridescent, gleaming into sunlight, green and bronze, heavy and fat. It gasped in the air, trying to breathe. The big dorsal fin was swept down, but I ran my finger along it, pulled it up. It was a big, big fin. I measured the fish against my rod, and it was maybe 18 inches long, maybe 19 inches, easy 16 or 17 inches, maybe 20 inches if I ever felt like lying. I tried to work fast, I took out my cell phone and took a quick picture of the fish, then I removed the fly and got the grilling back in the water, holding it by the tail. In a few minutes, a few seconds, the fish wiggled when I let it go. It shot back into the eddy, into the shadows, and it went deep. I stood looking at the water, and it was then that I realized that back up on the bluff, Amanda was leaning on the truck horn. And I guess I just missed her. I climbed the bluff, breathless and I got to the guardrail at the turnout and she was gone. My pickup was gone. There was a battered Chevy pickup with Yukon plates parked there and an old fat guy with a big head of white hair and a gut spilling out between suspenders standing next to his truck. And there was the overflowing trash barrel and some muddy puddles in the gravel with some of my stuff scattered around. But Amanda was gone and my truck was gone. I stood there, breathing, trying to breathe. My fly rod pointed out behind me toward the river. The fat guy said, I guess you're the boyfriend. Next to one of the puddles I saw a duffel bag that had held a lot of my fishing gear and the ice chest. Some of my clothes were strewn around too. She said you were down there fishing, the fat guy said. She said you were maybe lost. I was thinking about going to look for you. I said, I wasn't lost. Yeah, tourists get lost here all the time. I said, I'm not a tourist. I'm an explorer." Well. The fat Canadian looked at me and thought about that. Finally he said, That gal was really mad. I asked, Yeah. I pulled out my cell phone to call Amanda to get her back here. There was no reception, of course. It was useless. I put it back in my pocket. The Canadian asked, What are you fishing for? I said, Grayling. Listen, didn't she say anything? Just that you were fishing and maybe lost, and I could see that she was mad. She was mad. Yeah. Well, fuck that. I climbed over the guardrail and looked at my belongings. A big bag of my reels and some fly boxes and a pair of neoprene waders and boots. A pair of jeans and three or four heavy shirts tossed down on the gravel. One shirt of its sleeve trailing in a puddle. I stepped over and opened the ice chest. Four of the bats, no ice. And Amanda was mad. Well, okay. I took one of the beers and stepped over and leaned back against the guardrail. I opened the beer. The big Canadian was looking at me. The breeze ruffled his white hair. A pair of RVs headed south close together and dust rose up from the road. Behind me was the river, the mountains. Well, Canadi- the Canadian said, I guess that gal just ran off and left you. And the end. That's Deep eddy. Uh It's one of those odd stories that take something like 20 years to write and then revise. Uh, if you want to read more, you can find my books on Amazon, of course. Deep is from a book called The Messes We Make of Our Lives, which you should definitely read. You can always find me on my website, www.loelmcwhite.com, or you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, under my government name, Lowell McWhite. Thanks.